Good morning. Hi, good morning. So I, I want to jump into it. TJ's doing good. Yeah, she feels like shit. And the nurse did call her back from the ER this morning. And they said, we want you to come back in for the CAT scan. Thank God. Like, thank God they're organized enough that 24 hours later, you know, but to catch everybody up, like, um, she, so she went to bed last night, she woke up, but she waited at the ER all day. She had an appointment. Like the EMTs checked her out on the spot to make sure there was no emergency emergency and they cleared her. So she made an appointment with urgent care, the ER. She went to that appointment and she waited there all day and it was clear she wasn't going to get seen. And the doctor thought she needed a CT scan. Um, They think that she might have broken her orbit, her orbital ridge, you know, the bone that holds the eye. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was concerning to me. I mean, the whole thing was concerning to me. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things, like at that point, the system's broken. They can't see her. Like you just cross your fingers and hope she wakes up in the morning. And she did. And, um, they called her today and said, um, you know, we want you to come back for the CT scan, which she doesn't want to do. I don't blame her. Hopefully they'll get her right in. And thank God, uh, many years ago, I hooked her up with an old professor of mine who is from China She's a medical doctor and MD and, you know, her specialty is Chinese medicine. She's amazing. She and her husband both are from China and they're Chinese practitioners. And uh, she had been treated by her before for some digestive issues. And so thank God she's going there today and um, she's going to go get the treatment that she actually needs. Hopefully she won't need surgery or anything like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Have you seen her? She sent me a picture of her face yesterday and you know how long it takes for that stuff to set in. She's going to have a nice bruised half of her face. Yeah. I was thinking it's, so it's not black and blue yet. Yesterday I could see the color changes and I could see the swelling, but, um, you know, that kind of an injury to that part of the body, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, yeah, she's, the picture should be interesting. I, I might um, frame one for her because that's like a that's a badge of honor, you know. Are you concerned about would would a person be concerned about clotting? Like I, I always think of like when you get a big bruise like that, um, you know, does the the blood pool and and like coagulate? And is there a, a for the danger? Whole, sure, there's always a danger, especially anytime you're dealing with the head. Um, or any kind of big contusion on the body. But most people, most people that are in good health, the body can handle it. You know, the body knows how to move that blood, how to, you know, repair that damage. But if you have a bleeding disorder or if you're older or if you have pre-existing conditions, any kind, um, uh, a lot of people are on Coumadin or other blood thinners, um, you know, where, uh, the blood is very thin and so it doesn't clot as well. Um, all kinds of things, you know, age is certainly an issue. And so, yeah, even, um, it's just, it's one of those things, like for the most part, most people are going to be okay. I felt confident she was going to wake up this morning, but I was concerned. The first thing I did this morning when I opened my eyes was text her, how are you doing? You know, and I got the text back and I was like, all right, so she's, she's in a good spot, but sure, anytime you have anything, because you could just have a small bleed or something that happens and it, it, it puts pressure on like, say, the nerve of the eye, the ocular nerve, 
Mm-hmm. And over time, you could have blurry vision or headaches or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. So, mm-hmm. And That's- her uh, her mother, did you, did I hear you say she's 97? Yeah. And she's the primary caretaker for her 97-year-old mother. How, how did that go? Like all day while she's at, and at the hospital, was her mother okay? I know both of them pretty well. And um, uh, my grandmother-in-law, who's amazing, her name's Lucille. She lived alone until two years ago um, in her own home that she has lived in basically her whole adult life. And um, the only reason they finally, I kept telling my mother-in-law, like it was a point of real upset for me. I mean, I didn't push it because it's her mom. And, but I told her the first time her mom fell, I said, this is not good. Um, you know, she's going to fall again. No, no, no. It was just her shoe. And I got caught on the carpet and I was like, you know, I said, listen, I've had a lot of patients like this. Like I've seen this. I talked to other practitioners about this. Like once somebody's in their nineties and they fall, even if it was, Oh, it's a rug. It's not going to stop. They're going to keep. So sure enough, she did. She fell three more times. Um, Oh, God. And the last time she fell, it was bad. She like hit a table and hit her face and uh, broke her kneecap. Jeez. Um, And so at that point, she had to go stay with her daughter. And slowly they both realized, you know, okay, it's time to sell the house. So they sold the house. Uh, I think right before COVID, I can't remember, you know, it's all been a blur. So her mom is very spry for her age. And honestly, I could see her living another 10 years. Um, (laughs) But she does have a walker and, you know, she's not as mobile. She obviously COVID has changed all that too. But, you know, she likes to go get her hair done and she's very social. She used to go dancing at her German club until that closed. And Mm. I mean, this woman took me out to the bars in her 80s. Like, I was out there studying Chinese medicine, and I came over to her house. This is obviously before my son, and I came over to her house after an exam, and my husband didn't live there at the time. We were in different states because of his work in my school. And um, um, she was like, well, we should go celebrate. Come on, I'm going to go buy you a drink. And she took me to, to the German club, and we sat at the bar. She's like 85. And she got me a gin and tonic and we just got a little smashed in the afternoon together. <laughs> oh, she sounds great. She's they both, they both do. But but yeah, she was she's she tends towards anxiety, so I'm sure it was a very difficult day for both of them and mm-hmm. I know you asked me am I a worrier? I'm not a worrier because they're worried just it I mean I'm just not. I know some people just tend towards that. I don't have that tendency, but you know, you saw me yesterday, like you do not feel great. It doesn't feel good (laughs) to think about everything that they need help with and you want to help just to be there. And I can't, you know, Yeah, complete helplessness. Like it it doesn't matter what the circumstances are to stress over it because you can't do shit about it other than, oh, and then you did that great TikTok. Oh, about, you know, whatever you believe in, just please send energy, whatever prayers. Um, that was a, I, you put it so beautifully. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I've literally seen studies about prayer and, um, I think when we think of prayer, we think of religion and God and, but it's, it's really our collective conscious. It's like, mm 
you know, I'm sure you've experienced like the collective conscious, like you're thinking mm-hmm. about someone and they're thinking about you or right. Absolutely. That happens yeah. all the time more often now. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so she's okay. And, um, she's going to the ER again today and she's got an appointment with uh, Dr. Lee Shu in, in New Mexico. And Dr. Lee Shu is an amazing doctor and will absolutely take care of her. And that made me feel better than, I mean, I'm glad she's going to get the emergency stuff checked out, but in terms of care, Mm -hmm. uh, I know you'd like me to talk about Chinese medicine. So I'll just talk about this for a second. Mm -hmm. Western medicine, really, if we really look at it, and I think, I think everybody would agree with this. Their role is not to make us healthy. Their their goal is to keep us alive in crisis. Yeah. So even if we have something like diabetes or you know, whatever, what they do is put you on medication so that you don't die or go into a coma or have a crisis. But if you really want to get out of that crisis, if you really want to move into health, um, yes, of course, it requires ha- habit changes, which means you need support to understand how to change those habits and to really understand what to do so you don't get confused by all the articles and television shows and all the multitude of opinions telling you what to do and not to do, which will just make you want to rip your face off. Um, but to get actual treatment as well, to, to actually feel what it feels like to be in balance, which is what acupuncture does. And it's like, oh, this is what feeling good feels like. Um, and then also to move blood and take traumas that have happened in the body and actually naturally heal them. So they go away so that when you hit your head on a fire hydrant, 10 years later, you're not dealing with headaches that then you just have to be on heavy meds for, because now it's this like chronic permanent injury in your seventies, you know? So I'm, I'm super excited that she, thank God over the years has trusted me enough to listen to my advice and try these other ways of, healing and health and so she has doctors out there that she knows and has relationships with and so yep she's going to go in and I know they're going to give her herbs that are going to move the blood and heal the bone and you know get that all cleaned up so that she doesn't have a chronic problem and the acupuncture as well which will also soothe her anxiety and her pain and so yeah I'm really excited you, for her. so like after her appointment do you and do you see her reaching out to you and would she like do you think she'll probably talk to you about the appointments so that you have an understanding or is that not needed or no, she, she gets, no, she, she, she took some really nasty herbs for a long time. She had um, really bad acid reflux and there may be somebody on here on the podcast or on the live who knows somebody like this. Um, she had acid reflux really bad, like 20 years ago. And, um, it was from like a lot of years of eating disorders. I, th- I think, I think that's what it's from. She just, she had some compounding issues, you know, and, and it led to her having acid reflux and it was really bad. And so her doctor put her on, I want to say it was like Pepsid, but I feel like it's like the Prilosec. Maybe? Prilosec. Yes. It's like prescription. Mm-hmm. And she'd been on it forever. And when I started to study this medicine and go into it, like little things would come up, you know, that's what happens. But well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, and I didn't know at the time, you know, I'm still studying. And over time, as that conversation developed, um, you know, one of the things I say to people a lot is whatever you're taking, have you read the pamphlet about the drugs you're taking? Like, have you actually read it? And most people don't. Um, but when you're taking something and she was taking Prilosec for 20 years, 
Um, it, it's a good idea to do. So she read it and she'd been dealing with all these other health problems that were coming up, like hair loss and thyroid problems and all this stuff. Oh, God. And she reads the pamphlet and sure enough, that drug causes those problems. And in fact, it also says not to take it for more than like six weeks or something. That's what I, I, I and I am surprised, yet it's a prescription. Right. Well, this is the thing. And this is what, this is what's hard to help people to understand because we're so indoctrinated in this country to pharmaceuticals and to looking to that way of medicine as medicine and as health care. It's not, we need to think of it as emergency care. And hopefully as we become healthier and healthier, we need less or none at all emergency care other than like actual emergencies. Mm -hmm. The problem is that we're running ourselves into such a disease state with our shitty food, our lack of movement, our, you know, lack of actual care and treatment to our bodies to maintain health that we just get sicker and sicker and sicker. And then it's like, oh, give me a drug. And then that drug creates all kinds of other problems. So yeah, the Prilosec was actually causing a lot of her hair loss and her, you know, all these other problems. It was uh, became this complex. But then when she tried to go off of it, she had this rebound effect where the 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 stomach issue got worse which is not a surprise right because the prilosec isn't actually healing anything suppressing it's suppressing and so it's actually making that original problem worse so then right and so it's this cycle so how do you get off of that well get off of it by trying another form of medicine and a complete whole form of medicine the best one I know, Chinese medicine. It truly, it's a whole system of healthcare. So it's acupuncture, it's herbs. She got on that stuff and she's off of Prilosec now. Now, when you say when she got on herbs, um, right. is, is she taking tea? Is she like phys- like eating herbs or is she just incorpor- incorporating them more in her diet? So herbs, um, I'm talking about like a, a prescription level herbal formula. Okay. So it's concentrated, right? So it's the whole plant, but it's multiple herbs all put in to cool the stomach, um, redirect the chi of the stomach. So that instead of the energy going up, which it's not supposed to do, it's supposed to go down. There are herbs that force the energy of the stomach down. Hmm. So she took a formula that did that. It helped the energy to go down. It helps to rebalance the pH of the stomach the yin and the yang of the stomach. It helps to heal the the stomach lining and all the things that are causing these imbalances so that then she can begin to eat a diet that's a little bit healthier and different to really support that health over time. So so she was able to stop taking the herbs because, um, because the acid reflux got less and less and less and less and, and less. But then did she also learn to change her diet or was, oh, yeah. I mean, was her diet part of the problem too? Sure, but absolutely. Um, and yes, yeah, she has healed her diet to a great yeah. extent. Um, I think she's even able to eat foods now that she hasn't been able to eat for years without problems because she's healed uh, the stomach. Yeah. Right? So that's the difference is that Chinese medicine is not an herbal treatments, holistic treatments. They're not masking the problem. They're actually healing the body so that you can get off of those things and you can then go back to living a normal, healthy, balanced life where your medicine is your food mm-hmm. and is your movement and is, you know, everyday life. It's like people ask me why I spend so much on my groceries um, or different things like related to movement. It's because I would rather put that investment in now 
then in 30 years from now, when I have to go to all these specialists because my body doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, I'm making the investment now. I, I consider my grocery bill, my healthcare. Mm. Yeah. I can I, I see that. I, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever shown people your pantry on TikTok? <laughs> no, I did take a picture of my refrigerator and I posted that on Instagram. And <laughs> for some reason, I remember Shannon Smith being like, holy hell. But then as we were talking about it, she, I think she has like three or four kids and they're like teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a big difference between a 46 year old woman and a five year old boy. Like, you know, yeah. don't, don't feel bad. <laughs> hey, oh, Jack is here. I was just talking about, I've got my friend on here um, who lives near me that he popped in yesterday and I missed him. Hi, honey. Good morning, everybody. I'm just saying hi to everybody. Um, yeah, I I think a big part. Okay, so my friend uh, here who I'm going into business with, mm-hmm. she's been asking me about what we're doing on the podcast and she wants to do one day a week with me. I don't know if she'll be able to commit to that much, but uh, we're going to do something where we do case studies. <gasps> And we just pick up, we just pick a patient. We, obviously, we're not going to say who it is. And then we just talk about their illness using our terminology. Because I said to her, well, this is my idea. She hasn't agreed to it yet. Because <laughs> yesterday I was talking to, um, to a friend and they said, hi, honey. And um, they said, um, <laughs> we were talking about a disease process in the body and, and what organs they were related to. And, and he said... So does that mean that, that the liver's damp or wet? Does it mean the liver's wet? And I love that because it's like, instead of looking at the body through medical terms where we talk about blood levels and all these like hormonal terms, which really separates you from your body, it medicalizes your body and it makes it an untouchable, unreachable thing because you're just looking at these little parts and pieces in this really scientific way. And there's nothing wrong with that information. It's good information. But when you use Chinese medical terms that are based in the natural world, it's like very relatable. Like if I tell you, mm -hmm, go ahead. I'm just, so the way you two are going to speak, is that going to seem like a foreign language to us in the beginning? Yeah, I think yes and no. I think that there's enough right off the bat that that makes so much sense. Like when I talk to people about hot and cold or like, remember you were, you were talking about something and and you said, Oh, where am I feeling this in my body? Right. Laura said, where do I feel it? Mm. Where's it starting? It's like that kind of stuff where it's very common sense. It's very relatable. Oh, this is exciting. I can't wait. And this is the stuff I love because one of the things that's so great about this medicine is that yes, as a practitioner, if you really get into the philosophy of it, which most people don't need to, it's incredibly complex and it can twist your mind up in, in knots. But the basics of it are very empowering for people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my mission. I want to empower people because I feel like people feel afraid of their own bodies, afraid of their own health, afraid of where they are at in life. And if you give them concepts that make sense, mm-hmm. you begin to feel agency and ownership over your own body again. And, and you begin to feel that power that you innately have to control and to direct your path. Yeah. Instead of just reactive to, oh, here's a symptom. 
I'm going to cancel out the symptom. Um, yeah. I'm so excited. Can can we have her name? Can we refer to her or would you guys prefer to keep that? Yeah. In fact, if anybody's in the Portland area, she, she takes patients now. She's working at another office. Our office opens in June. She just ordered all the new furniture for the office. And I have furniture and we're actually going to use my treatment table. I don't think we'll be in this office long. It's a beautiful office. It's in a big, big old house. And we have this huge room with a bay window and it's going to be gorgeous. We're painting it and she bought all this beautiful, simple furniture. She likes very simple stuff, but she's, she's taking patients now. Um, her name is Jen Bookout. And one of the differences between Jen and I is, well, there's a lot of differences. We have a similar mind in terms of our respect for the medicine, and we're both very skilled in our own ways and, and gifted, but Jen is very Western medical-minded. Jen is someone who could look at your blood work and like break that shit down and be like this medicaid like she she sounds like a doc like a, a medical doctor an md but she studied chinese she she got accepted into medical school but she didn't end up going it was lots of things that determined that for her but she's more western minded than i am i'm very eastern minded Interesting. So, it, so it's a good mix because like we'll be talking and i'll nerd out on my Chinese medicine philosophy. And she's like, oh, well, you know, da, 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 blah, 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 blah. and you know, you know that process, Laura. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I kind of remember that from that class a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. No, oh, that, that, it, that, that sounds fun. How's your move going? Um, moving's not going on today. Moving will happen tomorrow morning at 730. Um, change in plans. So I'm just cleaning. And then tomorrow at two in the afternoon, they have their walkthrough. So um, my piano is going to be removed tonight at a great personal cost to me. I sold this effing piano on eBay for a dollar. And um, so all of his resources fell through. And then I gave him some contacts. Um, somebody who owes me a lot of money. Um, oh, couch, couch lady? What's that? The couch lady? No, I actually got my couch back from her. This is another person that owes me money. Um, he, he has the resources and the connections um, to get the piano moved. So I texted him or, and called him. And, uh, you know, we're in good speaking terms, even though he hasn't fulfilled his commitment or pay me back in, in months so, and months. You know, yesterday somebody said, and I forgot to tell you because I was reading it. Um, they said that um, it's actually your realtor's like, it's it's a part of the package for what he does to do that for you and to pay for that. It's It's actually a part of his job. So when he offers to do it, it's not a favor. It's like, it's expected. Hmm. Uh, somebody said that yesterday multiple times like they were like yelling it at me like no that he's supposed to do that <laughs> I, I wouldn't have expected that kind of dollar range especially considering if the moving company was going to be able to move it I was going to pay the $400 to move it to my house because eventually I would like to learn how to play piano you know just and for now, I'll just use it as a TV stand. 
So it was really a ridiculous, like, okay, I'll bite the bullet and then I'll pay $400 myself. Oh, but, th but then when that option was off the table, um, then I had to reach out to my friend and, um, in addition to what the, the buyer was willing to pay for loading and delivery to Georgia, um, I told him that we would wash our debt if he could just make this happen. So that, that'll be removed tonight. So everything is kind of moving right along and tomorrow's the move day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually have a lot of time other than cleaning. I actually have a lot of time to do nothing today. Well, I want to ask you about the Tibetan book of the dead because that was a big, big Oh my God. I am so just, is, is this like known around the world? Am I the last person that hasn't heard of this? No, not even close. Shit. Cause I could not, I, I'm telling you, I was there the day I, I was, I was in the house when both of my parents died and just knowing that process, it would have brought me so much comfort. I, I don't know if somebody tried to tell me, I don't know if like the information was there. I, I don't know, but no, this is not common. This is I've been in Chinese medicine and study and all around all this weird stuff. I had never heard of it until I heard her talk. I mean, I'd heard, heard of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but I didn't really know much about it. But I love Pema Chodron. So anytime I see something by her that I haven't read or listened to, I do because I love her. Um, she just always brings me so much peace and, and um, balance to my heart and to my mind. And um, and that the, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. So it's not common knowledge at all. I, I, when I re re listen to it again, I'm going to write down every little misconception that I had. <laughs> like she kept saying little things like, um, you're going to be sad and you have to be sad just because you're, stop trying to get away from the sadness. Right. You know what I mean? And I was like, especially somebody who like, I've, I've been depressed, you know, ever since I was a young teenager, I guess that's when it settled in. Um, I just always thought I wasn't supposed to be that way, or I'm not supposed to be sad. I'm not supposed to feel traumatized. I'm always supposed to be feeling differently than what I am. And then, so you're always running away from that. Right. Um, yeah. I think if you put that into terms of like something physical, like let's say that, you know, um, you have to poop and you be, you're more conscious of your poop, right? Like you're not pooping your pants anymore. And somebody tells you that you're not supposed to poop every day or that that's not okay. And so every day you feel bad about pooping and every day you're trying to hold that poop and every day you're suppressing that poop. Like, of course, you're never going to feel good again. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I could say that way about sex, about sexuality, about food, about so many relationships that I, I have between people and things. Um, God damn it. It's just, it's, it's really an awakening. They should have that in schools. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, that would happen, would it? I mean, you can't teach everything in school, you know, life is life. And I think this is why, I mean, 
this is a part of why I, especially as I get older, I'm getting better at using my voice. It's not because I think I'm so awesome and so perfect and I know everything and, you know, I'm just, it's because I've realized like, if I don't say these things, somebody else might never hear it. And I have a voice and I have knowledge and, you know, like just use it, just put it out there. Cause this is how we learn, I think from each other. Yeah. And I love putting different things out there for people that I, I think are helpful and useful. Um, I'm not trying to turn anybody into anything. I'm not trying to convert anybody. I'm not asking for a lifetime membership to anything. You know, <laughs> that's that's one of the things that that she kind of said throughout. Like, uh, this is uh, Buddhism. You know, this isn't um, pick up what you choose. You don't have to take it with you. You know, if if it's something you disagree with, then you know, it's this is just what Buddhists think. And then she goes into explaining and, um, yeah, I had a patient ask me, um, she wrote to me and asked me if I was a Buddhist cause she was studying something. I, I don't know what it was. And she's like, you're a Buddhist, right? Like, what do you think? And I was like, I said, no, I'm not a Buddhist. <laughs> um, I just, I pick up whatever's useful and I take it with me just like you're, you're not necessarily any religion are you no I, I if there's one thing I don't believe in it's religion <laughs> it's just religion in my mind for me um, denotes a patriarchal power structure that is revolved around power and money and power and money <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, these things that, you know, I share like with you, like the Tibetan book of the dead and the medical stuff. And yes, there are roots there of shamanic things and Taoist things and Buddhist things. Those are the roots of, of the people that observe these things, but the things themselves are just observations that I think are useful and helpful in living a better life. And that's mm -hmm. true of, of, a lot of different perspectives. That's just one that I relate to and that I found to be very helpful for myself. And so, yeah, I, I agree with her. I don't know if you, I wonder what you think about her because what I love about her is that she's very American. And I think that comes through. Are you saying she's not American? No, she is American. She okay. is. Okay. I didn't know she was like an Americanized. No. Okay. All right. No, very good. She's from the U.S. She was married. She had children. She has grandchildren. Mm -hmm. um, one of her talks, I can't remember which one it, it is. I, I've listened to them a lot over the years. In fact, I would love to start to listen to them again just to help me in part of this post-COVID detox thing. She was talking about going to the farmer's market with her granddaughter. And like, I can't remember the story exactly, but her granddaughter was in the car. She's like a young kid. And she's like, she's a Buddhist, you know? And she gets in the car and like, I don't know if she yelled at her granddaughter. I don't, she yelled, like something happened and she got really mad. And she was like giggling, telling the story. Cause she was like, I don't know if she actually said it to her granddaughter or if she wanted to, but she wanted to be like, don't tell anybody. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist monk. <laughs> oh, uh, I love her. I just think she's very relatable. What did you think? Yeah. I, I thought. Um, she conveyed herself really well. She put it, it, it for somebody who doesn't know anything 
about the Book of the Dead. Um, yeah, very understandable. Uh, that was my concern. I, don't know, I think I probably said that yesterday. You know, I didn't want to overreach um, something that I'm trying to just dip my toe into. Have um, you got to the question section yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting. Can you share like anything that you found really helpful? Um, the the one part where the the woman said, you know, her her mom just died twenty some days ago, and she oh. said, I under I understand the process of what the body goes through, the lungs and you know the hearing and stuff like that, and and she said, you know, the, the daughter said, I understand, you know, where my mom is at, but that doesn't help me in my grief and that's where she was like yeah you kind of I, I was disappointed in her response actually when I, wanted there, I, I wanted there to be a better response but there just wasn't other than yeah it, it's grief and you have to feel it I love I love that you just said that that way because that's what I really love about her is that and the more you listen to her like just her voice I actually like to listen to her more than I like to read her Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's something about her voice that in and of itself like the the healing that comes from her heart really Mm -hmm. comes through her voice and it's very soothing but that's actually one of the things I love best about her like that therapist that I had who kind of changed my life reminds me of her a lot in fact Mm -hmm. that therapist is the one who introduced me to Pema Mm. And that's the kind of shit she would say to me. You know, she doesn't pick up flowery shit or some big explanation about, you know, how life is going to be perfect. It's just like, yeah, that's how it is. I know. Yeah. I I, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking she would have some answers, you know, like, or an explanation or a, like a process of this is how you can get better. And nope. <laughs> There's none, of, there's none of that. It's not like you have, I, I shouldn't say it like, oh, you're just like being thrown off to the wolves. It's not that. You have to, um, can you step in? Because I'm getting a little emotional. Absolutely. I, what I was going to say is I think that sh- she is telling you the answer. I think she is telling you the process of how you heal. But I think that that answer is so much more simplistic than than what people want because people want a mathematical solution tell me what i can add up tell me tell me the steps i can take and when it comes yeah. to grief like most really difficult things in life it's about going through it and it's an ugly long process sometimes but but just by the act of allowing and accepting and going and understanding this is the process and there's no magic to it. It's, it's just allowing, um, that is how you heal because once you go through that, you never have to go through it again versus the other way where you resist and you avoid and you dodge and you try to go over it and under it. And, you know, you try to do all these magical things where you're just holding stones and, you know, looking at cards and looking for the magic answer to come down and heal you. And what you end up doing is delaying that process of grief and holding on to it for the rest of your life or for many years, because you never just walk through it. And I think like 
something I've noticed about what's changed in me since discovering this kind of medicine and this kind of thinking is that um, I realized over the years how much good advice I actually got and ignored it because it just seemed so simple that I didn't even see it. Like the best advice is simple. It's so simple. And that's why people miss it. They dismiss it. No, I need something complicated. Give me something complicated to think about. Yeah. I'm often told things that I, I can't sit with right away and then I'll have to reflect or another opportunity will come up and I'll be like, Oh, I, I hear Laura's, you know, you're speaking in, in my ear. Um, you know, it won't hit right then, but it'll hit later. That happens to me a lot, you know. Um, totally. It's when you're ready to receive uh, the lesson almost. Was it free, the download? I'm just curious. Um, well, I have credits. So oh. it was, It was. I think it was like $8.99. But okay. I had, yeah. Um, well worth it. Well, uh, a friend on TikTok lost her dad last week suddenly, oh. and uh, my heart is just aching for her because I feel like you don't know what's coming, you know. So I, I should I send her a direct message and be like, "Hey, girl, this helped me out," or is that too is yeah. that too pushy? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the person. I always feel good about sharing that I will come from a good place as long as I'm not attached to the outcome. If it's something you feel like, I mean, I feel like that's just a helpful thing. It doesn't mean they're going to listen to it. It doesn't mean they're ready for it, but I don't think it helps anybody to get something and you never know. It might be something that really helps her through, you know? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm hoping. So yeah, why not? Um, but I, how many parts are there? Three or four? Three. Yeah. And you're on part two? Yeah, just start part two. That's so. I'm gonna listen to it again. That's so exciting. Yeah, I, I, I mainly because I've been doing stuff as I'm listening to it. I, I kept thinking, this is something I need to sit in solitude and write about. You know, listen to it once just to get through it, and then the second time, I think, you know, it's it's one of those kind of things that you have to sit with for a while. Yeah. Oh God! Wednesday. Do you have anything else going on this week? Um. Well, it's cat. Cat's coming tomorrow. Yeah. Um, which is super exciting. Um, she's gonna hang out, and uh, she's she'll be my first TikTok person that I'm meeting in person. That's exciting. It's so exciting because like we've talked on the phone a couple times now, and she knows it, and I know. Like we can just like we just we share some kind of vibration, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. So I, I I haven't hung out with somebody like that since last August. And I remember when it was because it was the day before I moved from my place in L.A. And my neighbor who lived behind my building, because I was in like a house that was split up into three. It was a triplex, but it was like not like it was a weird house. I, I can't explain it. So I had my own kind of separate thing. And then she was in an efficiency studio that was above the garage that was behind the building. But she was the sweetest girl. Um, and she it was a humbling moment for me because obviously she was younger than me, but she actually at one point said, you're like my mom. <laughs> and it was the first time anybody 
had said something like that to me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we were also friends, you know, and mm-hmm. she brought over a bottle of uh, Pinot Gris that night and we sat on my porch and um, while well, my ex-husband hung out inside with my son and because it was our last night. And, um, and she and I sat on the porch and drank the bottle of wine together and talked and laughed. And that's the last time I hung out with somebody was last August. Do you keep in touch with her? Yeah, she follows me on TikTok and, um, and on Instagram and she'll occasionally send me stuff. And, uh, if she's going through a hard time, she'll get a hold of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I got a lot of friends like that, you know, where it's just like, um, you have certain go-to friends when when you're going through something hard. That's a good question. Um, not right now. Um, a little bit. I'm starting to have new. You know, TikTok has brought new people into my life, but my life got wiped out in the last couple of years. Like everybody, I I have friends. Like <clears throat> like if there was really shit going down, like if somebody died in my family, I have my friend. He lives in um, South Carolina right now, but he was my friend in LA for 20 years. He's somebody I would call. Like that's like that deep family friend thing where I'd be like, my mom died or, you know, and, and he would be there for me. And then I have a friend in New York that I've known for over 20 years, same kind of thing. Um, but day to day stuff, I, I, you know, I deal with it on my own. Um, just recently I have a couple new people in my life who, if I'm really struggling and I just need, I just need like a, a handrail to hold, you know, mm-hmm. I I've, I've tested that out and I'm kind of finding some stability with that kind of stuff. What about you? Um, I have a, a couple people or acquaintances and it's, uh, I kind of, the whole Marco Polo thing, it, you know, you kind of get to dump out your feelings and, sometimes that's enough it just depends on who who i hit the send to sometimes you know it's yeah um but to to call um i I would say like i my friend cindy it's she's actually through tiktok and she's bipolar she's in her early 60s and um she knows what it's like to crash or to go through these mind spinning things that you can't control not that you don't um i don't i don't i i don't okay i I know enough about bipolar i read a lot about it because i I think you know that i was misdiagnosed yeah um it was just more of a convenience to to diagnose me with that So I was put on really heavy medication and I was, you know, it's a part of my family abuse stuff. Um, But I read a ton about it. Like I read Patty Duke's book. I read Prozac Nation. I read Girl Interrupted. I read all kinds of like articles about bipolar. And what I learned through reading it was, oh, wow, I'm really not bipolar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But my mom was and is. Mm. Um, So I know what it looks like in in real time. And I know what it looks like when someone takes care of themselves. And I know what it looks like when someone doesn't. Yeah. And that's what I'm starting to notice. I, I have two friends that, that are, are bipolar and both are older than I am. And I look at them as somebody, 
you know experts in the field because they've uh, they're they're pretty much they've they've had my kind of life where I am or what I've gone through so here they are 10 15 years later and um they they're more educated and comfortable and aware the self-awareness is is really helpful when I talk to them I remember I was sitting in the parking lot about to get my hair cut I don't remember why I I was bawling about something and I called up Cindy and I'm like I I don't know what I'm going through and and we just talked about it because I I knew it was an unhealthy um process of what I was thinking and, and just what I was going through, you know, it wasn't just in the moment, you know, bipolar is, uh, when you're going through an episode, it's days worth of behavior that can be ramping up to an episode of, and then you're going to crash. Yeah. So when, so to hear her talk about, you know, she's so self-aware that helps me. So when I realized like, okay, shit's really hitting the fan for me, um, she was just a really she did a lot of listening and which was really helpful and and then when she did speak it was soothing bona fide exactly what i needed to hear because it was somebody that that i knew was was uh could relate to yeah yeah i mean any diseases like any disease process in the body can eventually deteriorate the brain because when you when you think about um, you know how the brain is connected to the rest of the body, I've talked about this before. You have the the gray matter that sits in your in your head, but that is not separate from your body. The spinal cord contains the um, the brain stem that that goes through the entire spine, and off of that come all the nerves. So the nerves that come into every part of your body, your face your shoulders, every organ of your body, every part of your skin, everything, they're all innervated by the brain. So the brain is throughout your entire body. So whether it's like a problem with your gait, with your walk, whether it's a problem with your eyes or your hearing, if you don't work to take care of that problem, what eventually happens is that nerve pathway um, becomes deadened and eventually the brain isn't working in full concert right it's it's not it's not working and I've seen this with people who have hearing problems and eye problems where they don't develop other senses better or they don't uh like there's a person that I know who has hearing and sight problems and they involve themselves in a very codependent relationship where essentially their partner has become their seeing and hearing dog Mm. and so they just stop doing things and they just let the person go for them. And what I have watched over the years is a, a brain that is shutting down. Mm-hmm. And I think with bipolar, it's no different, right? The, the, if you don't have that self-awareness and self-care, I have seen this. I, I probably know 10 different people who have bipolar with radically different outcomes as mm-hmm. they, because do they have self-awareness? Are they working on, because bipolar is just really a diagnosis of the poles shifting radically, right? But but you can diet, exercise, lifestyle, therapy, whatever it is, behavioral changes, cognitive therapy, where that pendulum doesn't swing as big. Mm-hmm. So you have the shifts, but they're more in the range of manageable. And, and then your brain is, yeah, 
I, I don't know if that was rambling. <laughs> no, that was that was really good. Um, I, I'm envisioning uh, nine thousand needles. Yeah, did, um, you it? did you finish it? I didn't finish it. I, I'm like three quarters of the way through. Okay, you gotta finish it. Did they literally put a needle all the way through his, uh, was it his foot? Oh, in the ankle. I know exactly what you're talking about because it's so dramatic. Come on. Yeah. Listen, the needling in that movie, like, I think when people think about acupuncture and you see that, like, that kind of extreme thing where they're taking that needle and they're just, they're going like this through his ankle and you see it kind of coming out the other side. Like, it doesn't actually come out the other side, but you see Mm -hmm. the skin moving. Like mm. all the way through the back of the ankle by the Achilles, right? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's very extreme, but you have to remember, I mean, you saw how sick he was. Like, yeah. He what he had is an extreme illness due to an extreme lifestyle. And if you're gonna use this medicine to kick the body back into gear, I mean, sure, we could do like my style of needling. I have a lot of different styles, but in general, my style is very gentle. Um, but if I had a stroke patient. I'm going to be pulling out big, thick, long needles and I'm going to be using big cups and I'm going to be working their body hard. That's what I couldn't. I was astounded. The exhaustion of this poor man. It was session like you go to the doctor or you have physical therapy in Western medicine. It's like once a week or three, three times a week. This was like how many sessions of different therapies in one day? Right. It was fucking exhausting watching it. And I, I, his whole, not his whole family was there, but I, I couldn't believe that it, it takes that type. Of course it takes that kind of intense therapy, like relentless. How many months was he there for in China? I don't know, but if you, I want you to finish it because it really... The thing I love about that movie, other than like, yeah, it gives you sort of a, a, it's an extreme version of Chinese medicine, not extreme in that it's not common. It is common for things like stroke, but the whole Mm -hmm. idea behind the medicine is that you can avoid things like that, or you can diminish if you do end up with a stroke or heart attack, it's not as bad. Like Mm -hmm. the idea is to keep you in better health. So you don't end up in these. Now this guy didn't, he knew nothing about any of that medicine. You saw what he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was an extreme bodybuilder. He was doing extreme things to his bodies, and he actually created that dysfunction. He might have already mm-hmm. had a tendency towards it, but what he was doing was not healthy. Yeah, you know, and I know that people think of big muscles and all that as healthy. It's it really isn't necessarily healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like here, you're right. It's like oh, go to PT once a week. How is that going to help this person? Like this one was, and and if you finish the movie, you kind of see this bigger picture, which is what I like about it, showing the kind of care and the level of care that you get from this kind of treatment. That yes, it's a lot of work, but you're pushing the body to come back into health and you're giving this person a quality of life, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the results, I was surprised how quickly, because it really was within the first session how quickly the body responded mm-hmm. um his his leg movement uh, his, oh it was it's amazing his vision had increased you know the second day it was 
astounding like one day after the other but the intensity of what um it was a whole staff too it's not like it was just um one physical therapist it was like an entire staff It, it just made me feel as though their healthcare system would you say that's typical over there is that what hospitals are like or well, hospitals, I know in Korea for sure, because I have a lot of friends who went to Korea to study and Japan to study. And I have I actually have a few friends who've been to maybe six friends who've been to China who've studied in programs there. They make our hospitals look like piles of SHIT. We, we think we have it great here. We don't. We don't. We, we don't have access to anything. And, and the, the level of upkeep and quality and um yeah like it's common and it's not common right you have to remember how big china is and how many people are there like there are people there who don't quote unquote believe in chinese medicine i had a a doctor his name was dr chu Uh, i studied under him you have a lot of different opportunities at the school i went to i was very lucky i went to a school that really recruited high quality teachers and high quality doctors who had a lot of experience in the field most of them had practiced and been licensed in china and in china you have to get your md first and then after you get that basic md then you specialize and you can go into chinese medicine and usually it's like herbs or acupuncture or um, some people do general. Anyway, this guy, Dr. Chu, who I studied with in Santa Monica, he um, was a cardiologist and he ran the cardiology department for one of the biggest hospitals in China. And so that was his, his Western practice. And then he moved into Chinese medicine because like a lot of doctors, they get smart and they go, I don't want to work on this end. It's like when I used to work in rape crisis and you're always dealing with the rape, you're always dealing with after the rape. And you're like, Jesus Christ, I just want to prevent the fucking rapes. (laughs) I don't want to be here to clean it. So that's what he did. He moved over into Chinese medicine to help prevent and to help make people well before they got that sick. So, but he had this incredible wealth of knowledge about cardiology and all this stuff. I'm brilliant, man brilliant. I learned so much from him. And, um, his dad, I don't remember if his dad was a doctor or not, but his dad completely thought Chinese medicine was a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Wow. For even somebody that was older than him and, and was Chinese and was in medicine and just thought it was complete horse pucky. But, but what I found from his story, because he eventually opened up to us a lot and, and told us a lot about that, um, or I should say me, um, you know, he didn't know anything about it. It's a lot like people here when they go, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. Like if you look up on Snopes about acupuncture, they'll tell you it's a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's so biased. They don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. How do they know? Have they studied it? <laughs> <laughs> They don't know anything. They don't know any. It's just an assumption. So yeah, I. But how long was he there? I think it was a few months. Um, he needed to stay longer. He needed a lot more treatment. But it's you know even though it was cheap compared to the U.S., you know they didn't have a ton of money. They had to do fundraisers to send him out there. Mm-hmm. So he really needed a lot more treatment. He needed long-term treatment. And um, I want you was, to. I want you. Was, to, could he not have? Are, were there physicians or was there not a facility in the United States that would have been able to put him through that same process? No. 
all that you have in the US are people like me. And, and then a few other exceptions. Like I know a, a, an acupuncturist who got a job at John Hopkins. Um, I know a few acupuncturists around the country who've gotten jobs working in hospitals, but it's like one position, it's one person, right? And it's kind of like this fringy extra thing that they're doing to sound like they're so great. And I worked at Disney Cancer Center in Burbank. Um, I got to do an externship there with an MD who after she did her MD, she went to my college and got her degree in Chinese medicine and really had no respect for the medicine, in my opinion, at all. Um, had that ego trip thing going that Western, some Western medical providers have. Um, and uh, it was a joke. I, I learned a lot being there, but I felt really terrible for the patients. They they were being told that they were getting this access to the special stuff. And, and it was great, you know, I, it felt great to give people who were in chronic pain and who were sick from their treatments, like to give them something that meant that they, that they slept better for the next three or four days and that I was able to take their pain down by 80% or take their nausea away or, you know, give them feeling back where they had neuropathy. Like that felt good. But knowing like what you're saying that there's this whole system and they're just getting this extern from this little college, like, and then we leave and nobody's hiring us. So no, there's no facilities like that here. And, and that's what I'm saying when it's like, it's so depressing and I want to be out there and I want to be screaming and yelling at the top of my lungs and going, look, look, look. But even if everybody woke up today, where would they go? You know, we're just these little practitioners barely making it, trying to keep this medicine alive and trying to educate people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not like you would have a big, it's not like any, I, I can't imagine a facility, if a facility opened up like that in the States. For one thing, how would it be funded? Hopefully Bill Gates. <laughs> I'm serious. I wish that people like that with that kind of money would say, you know what? We need to open up some facilities like this around the country and just put some big facilities in, add them onto hospitals, hire a bunch of people to come in and make the system work and then hire all these people coming out of school and create an industry where people go, oh, I can go get a job doing that? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that hard. It's just, it's honestly, a lot of it is racism. Like this mm. whole thing going on with the Asian hate thing, I so relate to that. Like people are so fucking racist. I, I, the first time I asked somebody, I, I was like, um, what do you think about Chinese medicine? The first words out of their mouth were, China's trying to take over everything. Then damn Chinese. And I was like, this has nothing to do with Chinese people. <laughs> like what, where the hell did all this anger come from? And I, uh, all right, I checked out of that conversation, but I was like, yeah, that's it. It's some people just hate the fact that it's Chinese medicine. It's, it's just fear. It's fear and ignorance. And especially in this country, our brains are so whitewashed and we're so, I think less so now. I don't know for sure, but I think the younger generations less so. But we're so trained to believe that we're the best. We're number one. We have it all. And so you hear something like Chinese medicine, mm -hmm. like, you know, I can't even verbalize, but it, yeah, it boils down to racism. It boils down to internalized racism. Mm -hmm. And and so we miss out. And it's it's really, I think other than my personal like family stuff that is just sort of in a you know 
a lifelong sort of grief that I deal with. Um, the next saddest thing to me of my life that I will die <laughs> being sad about, but, I, but that I will every day promote. It's like what I'm doing here is this medicine and just trying to get it through as many people's heads, like invest in this, like go find somebody, just keep, keep exploring. Don't give up like this stuff, this, because you're not teaching, you're not giving somebody a fish. You're teaching people to fish. Mm-hmm. You know, these are tools for life and call it whatever you want. Like it's, it's brilliant shit. It's brilliant. Like, like you said, this guy with a stroke, right? He had the severe stroke. That's the thing about 9,000 needles. If you don't know, is like this man had this massive stroke. He was a bodybuilder and he created a lot of problems in his body as a result of what he did. And he had, he was at the gym, I think one day and he had a massive stroke, like he should have died and he didn't because modern medicine saved him. But then after they saved him, his insurance didn't pay and he needed all kinds of therapy and he basically was left to die. This man in the prime of his life with young children and he was married and they were just like, well, go home. And his family was like, you know, screw this. And I think, was it his brother who filmed it? I can't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Found this program in China, like, cause um, medical travel is a big thing. And they found this program in China and they raised a bunch of money and he went there and he goes there. And like you're saying, Sam, the first couple days, he's able to move parts of his body and his eyesight gets better and all these miraculous things happen, but it's not because the body is capable of healing if we give it the space to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but that's not what Western medicine does. We medicate and we, mm. we let drugs come in and take away pain and mask symptoms. We don't strengthen the body, but yeah, mm. it's amazing when, what the body can do. When they would put the needle in, sometimes they would kind of manipulate it a little bit. Is that just to kind of like stimulate the nerve? I'm assuming. Yeah. So it's more than just the nerve, right? It's the chi. So, cause I, I don't touch nerves. Part of my job is to be in some cases near nerves or near nerve plexus. So, which is like a bundle of nerves. Mm. So I have to know that. Cause if you needle a nerve, they're going to jump off the table. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Uh, nerves are not meant to be touched, but you're around the area. So what you're getting is it's chi. There's no other word for chi. Prana would be another word. That's an Indian word, but it's, it's the animating force of life, right? So you have the tissue, you have the, you have the veins, you have the arteries, you have the flesh, you have the, the synovial fluid, you have the bones, you have the muscles, you have the tendons, you have all these parts, but what makes those parts move? What makes them alive versus not alive? So that is the energy the chi that that I work with in Chinese medicine. So we're stimulating that energy to bring healing to the tissues. And so when you stimulate, sometimes I stimulate, sometimes I don't. Um, and there are methods and, and um, you know, there's, there's actual theory. It's not just like, well, I feel like doing it. It's like, you know, when, and sometimes there's different ways to do it, to create different effects, to move things up, to move. Like I can move a needle and I say, tell me when you feel it in your head. And I'm like somewhere else in the body. Tell me when, and I'm mm. trying to get the head to turn on. Mm. So I'll be down on the foot or the ankle. And I know exactly how to move it in what direction. And I say, tell me when you feel, oh, wow. I feel, oh, wait, it's in the neck. Oh, wait, it's going up to my ear. Oh, oh my God. I feel it in the head, you know? Wow. So you can move energy around that way. Um, 
the underneath the tongue. Holy shit. What? Have you, have you ever had a needle inserted underneath your tongue? I have not. That kind of needling is for extreme conditions. Okay. Right? Because it's that's a that's a delicate place. Yeah. But in his case, he can't talk. He can't like his face is paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So we need to put a needle there to get the energy flowing, to open up those channels, to open, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only way. And in that case, you don't mind. <laughs> you don't mind. Yeah. But um, but what it feels like when you're stimulating, it's really cool. And they actually describe it this way in a lot of the texts. So I'll stick a needle in and um, it tells me a lot when I stick the needle in. I can feel the energy of the tissue. Like you can literally feel it. It's It would be like if you took a knife and you stuck it in jello or you took mm-hmm. a knife and you stuck it in water or you took a knife and you stuck it in steak, right? There's Mm -hmm. a consistency that you can feel through that object Mm -hmm. of the tissue. And so sometimes I'll stick a needle in somebody and it's like gooey, like it's soft. And like, it's, it's like the needle could just come in and out really easy. Like, like, like marshmallow or like whipped cream, you know, but if I stimulate and I know how to do it or I twist it, what I can start to do is pull the energy like in, 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 come, come, come. And I'll, sometimes I have to sit there and do it for a while. Twist, twist, or up and down, back and forth, whatever, or like all around, or I'll stir the bowl. Like I'll actually take a needle and like stir it in the tissue. And then what you start to feel is this tug. It feels like a fish on a line. Oh, wow. And so you start to feel it grab. So the consistency of what that used to be marshmallow-like is now changing. Okay. Right. You start to feel that animating force, that chi, that energy come to the area. And so once I feel that grab, once I feel that fish grab the needle, Mm -hmm. then my hands are off. Wow. And then that needle becomes that focal point in the body, right? Because I'm creating a little damage there almost in a way. And so the body goes, what's that? And we're directing it. Come here, come here, come here. Because for whatever reason, the flow of energy has stopped to that area. But it's not just about that area. It's about the whole channel that brings the energy there. Mm -hmm. So. And that's why I'm assuming why they would, um, I'm going to say, you would probably wouldn't use this word, but they would jab him quickly um with a a needle in in a small area um just for like i wouldn't say too many seconds but it was like repetitive do you remember seeing that oh yeah i'm I'm assuming that's just the same theory you're stimulating and just getting uh energy there yeah there's lots of different techniques um there's lots of different techniques for different conditions it's like when we talk about hot cold um, damp, dry, um, phlegmy, whatever it is, um, in the tissue, you can have emptiness, you can have vacuity, you can have excess, you can have fullness, you can have stasis, stagnation. And so different techniques with needles, when you understand the diagnosis of the patient and what you're doing, and and then you look at the body and you understand what channel you're working on, there are all kinds of different techniques that you can do. Like, Uh, one example is like, if you come in and you have a sore throat and you're like, it's really acute and it's really, it really hurts. And you maybe have a little fever. There are two points on your fingers. I'm showing people on the live. Um, uh, you have the lung channel and the large intestine channel that run to the end of the fingers. And both of those things come up into the chest 
which have roots through the throat and also into the nostrils. And so if you have a really acute sore throat and with something in the sinus area, you can take a lancet, which is like what diabetics use to prick and to get blood. Mm -hmm. And I'll take those and I go to the end of the channel on the large intestine and the lung channel. So it's by the fingernail and I do a poke and I get blood to come out. Really? And when you get that blood to come out, you can see by the consistency of the blood, the color, the thickness, um, what's going on. And I just let it bleed. And as it bleeds, the sore throat immediately begins to clear and the sinuses immediately begin to clear. Because the the, fuck out. No, I'm serious. Because the channel goes from the end of those fingertips all the way up the arm into the chest, into the throat and into the face. It's a really simple thing. And those are the kinds of things that I can teach people, right? Because these are not things that are so medicalized that I can't teach you to do something. There are things I will not teach people to do at home. In fact, I will say do not. And don't oh, I was just going to say, could I get one of those diabetic things where you prick your... I, so I should not do that. Is that what you're saying? No, no, you absolutely could. That's, that's oh, a yeah. technique because all you're doing is just making a little prick at the end of the fingernail. And uh, not like the corner of the fingernail, two of them. And uh, now there are things you can do to prevent even getting the sore throat and the whatever, but sometimes it happens. We get sick for whatever reason and you have this acute like, oh God, I don't feel good. And um, if you if you give a little prick and you let that blood run out, it's like draining. Mm-hmm. It's like draining that system and the heat just goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. There's all kinds of tricks, like all kinds of stuff like that. It's so much so i think what you're telling me is because i was a little um taken back by the degree of acupuncture and this different styles and everything he he went it was very intense so my the takeaway should be this would not be a typical what i would go through just if, if i saw a chinese doctor for acupuncture or an acupuncture because he almost died right he had a severe stroke it completely disabled him so the treatment matches the condition yeah right so his condition was extreme it was life-threatening and in fact he did end up dying but as a result of not in the movie uh his brother followed up with with my school later and you know we interviewed him and talked to him but but he lived, uh, you know, he had hope and he he was able to feel his body again. And it, it's a shame to me that he just didn't have access to that in this country. And that he, I love that he had that experience. I love that he got a little bit of quality and hope back in his life. And he saw that his body was capable and wasn't just dead and broken. Like, how valuable is that, you know? Oh, and I think timing, like, ah, oh, dang it. If he could, if he would have had access to that right sooner th- yep. they he wouldn't have had the degree of atrophy that he had yep exactly exactly uh, you bring up hope i just saw a tiktok of um a scientist did an experiment with uh rats and he put them in water to see how long they would tread water before they drowned and i forget how many rats it was it was a pretty good amount of rats and he found out that the 15 minute mark seemed to be where they would be drowning so once once he got that baseline he would take them out a minute before that he would dry them off 
and let them rest for 10 minutes. And then he put them back in. Guess how long they treaded water the second time? Like double? 60 fucking hours. Oh! Because they had hope. They, they surmised that they had hope. And that seeing the others rise above, you know, that they're what they're going through and that that they could go on further. You know what I mean? That's the hope. I love that. 60 hours. Come on, man. That's that's I love that because you know what that makes me think of? Um, It makes me think of right now Mm. with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like I, I sent um, my friend, sh- my friend Sadie, Sadie Marie Louise on on TikTok, mm-hmm. who's been listening. She, you know, she's coming out in I think it's 21 days as of today. <laughs> um, every day since since she bought her ticket has been a better day. Mm. Like I wake up feeling happier. I wake up feeling like more at home. Because someone's coming to my home, like someone that I care about is coming to visit me. It's like, and TikTok, you know, that's what TikTok did for me is what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I have to have something to look forward to. You have to have hope. You have to have like these people that don't have something that they're looking forward to. These people, boy, that sounded really mean. But there are people that don't look forward to something ever. You know, they're just... I need something to look forward to. Well, you have a farm. Oh yeah, I got lots of things. I do, I do. I got. I'm just saying, I'm good. Uh, Says other people. (laughs) I just don't get. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. I think I get time confused, but they were talking about talking to Republicans and what are the things that you think are the most detrimental to our country. And I'm, I'm, this is secondhand, so I, I'm just, you know, relaying what I remember. But the fir- one of the first things that came up on the list was COVID. Like, you know, they think that that's a, a real threat to our country. And I think they said that the second thing that was unanimous among Republicans about what's a threat to our country was other people. Really? Wow. Other people. Other. other. How would... How would you answer that? What's the biggest threat to our country? Yeah. Fear. And ignorance. Yeah, fear sounds about right. Because when you're in fear state, you're just panicking. There's no there's no insight. There's no you're not rooted in your body. You're not rooted in truth. You're not rooted in stability. You are running around and you will cut heads off. Mm-hmm. You know, you will, you will cut your own nose off mm-hmm. um, because you are panicked, because you are fearful. Because I, you- yeah, I, I'm thinking of the Capitol. I, I mean, th- I know this happened a long time ago, but like the riots at the Capitol, completely fear-based, in my opinion. And that woman was shot to death. Mm. I mean, talk about fears realized. Talk about creating the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's 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 really one of one of my 
viral videos that I have. I'm hiking up a hill here in Oregon and I got all these stupid comments. Why are you so out of breath? What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Like, do you have eyes? Can you see that I'm outside and I'm walking? Like I just walked up an effing hill and I'm, I'm recording a TikTok about fascism. Why don't you try it, buddy? <laughs> How about great job? You're amazing. Uh, what I think you meant to say was. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, that video, um, I forgot you were saying, I don't know. I've got a little lost, but it was, it was a video about how our country is being gripped by fascism. And what is fascism really? It's, you know, um, that little kid describes it in the video about how capitalism is fascism. It's like power that a small group of people hold and they, um, hold it over the large masses. And, um, but it, it's based in fear and ignorance. Like that's a tool that the powerful use. And it's, it's definitely happening here. You see it with Fox News. You see it with Donald Trump. These people who want absolute power. Mm-hmm. And they use the fear and the ignorance and they scare the shit out of everybody. They're coming to get you. They're coming to get you. And so what do we end up doing? Murdering people and oppressing people and causing all this misery for what? You know? So that yeah, I think that's the biggest threat to our country is ignorance, fear, fascism. I mean, there's a reason that the Republicans have dismantled education in this country. And I'm not letting the Democrats off the hook. I mean, I think our system. I, I was going to say, I, I, I'm not exactly jazzed about Democrats either. You know, either. not either. Yeah. I think Democrats now are like moderate Republicans from the past. And I don't, I never liked moderate Republicans. So. But I, you know, I, that, that gets into complicated stuff. I'm neither, I'm neither party. I, I have, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're dismantling education. It's been happening for 30 years. And, and now here we are, we're starting to see the results, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my answer. What's your answer? What do you think? Um, yeah, I would say the fear of other people. <laughs> um, the ignorance of, uh, the lack of compassion towards other people empathy for um, the human connection like some people can't look at a black person on tv without thinking something racist like i I know people in my life that are are horribly racist and i i just look at them as like how can you not how are you looking at them any other different any other way than there's just another person and yet um it's it's all systemic so i i can't solve those problems i think that a really great um people to look through with people like that is like you're right they don't have compassion for other people and when you look at them when you take that part of them themselves out of it like when you don't look at that micro issue i mean not that it's micro but you know what i'm saying like okay they're a racist but take that out of it so they don't have compassion for other people i think it's always interesting to look and say how much compassion do they have for themselves like Mm -hmm. are they are they kind truly kind and compassionate and loving towards themselves and i have yet to meet one person where that is the case and that is a part of why my mission 
Like I'm just one water drop, but I swear to God, it is my life mission to be more compassionate and loving to myself and to try to open that window for other people into self-compassion, self-love and self-care because you can be the biggest activist in the world. If you're not coming from a place of self-love and compassion, that is not what you're going to, you know, people who judge and who are bigoted and all, and they put all that out. That's the same thing that they're practicing inside their own selves and lives. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. I do. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you for the one hour and 20 minute conversation. Yeah. yeah I- it's been a pleasure. It doesn't doesn't seem it's you were just sitting on the phone talking. That's really all it was. I love it. I love talking to you. Um, yeah, I got a pee, so I'm gonna go too. All right. You enjoy the rest of this. What's it like? Is it sunny there? It's a beautiful day here. I'm exhausted because I stayed up too late, but it was worth it. I had a, a nice uh, companion last night, so that was good. Um, you know, company is good right now. It's like what we were talking about the hope with the with the rats. Um, <laughs> yeah. You got 60 more hours, girl. <laughs> I need it. I need, I need it. Um, I need it. But I, yeah. Thanks, Sam. I love you. I love you too. Okay. Oh, well, good luck tomorrow. So what are we doing tomorrow? Oh, oh, um, 7.30. They're picking up my shit. And then I'm just cleaning. So sh- me. Should we it. skip tomorrow? Should, are we going to talk no, tomorrow? No. no, by, let me, oh, shit. Wait. Well, let, what, let by me, one o'clock, I should be good. So we'll text. Okay. We'll text and if if something happens on either our end I, I think we'll be okay i will be here one way or the other i'll do a live just to hold the space uh-huh. um and if for right. some reason you know you can't join just let me know yeah that sounds oh but cat will be there oh no like, what time not that no. maybe not early cat probably won't be here yet and even if she is she knows that i do this so she okay. would she doesn't want to be on camera but i think she would sit oh that would be so cool for her just to sit like Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good friend. I love you. I love you too. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.